Welcome to the Ocean Sisters with your co-hosts Chloe Griffin and Elaine Frogger. In this episode, we take you on an underwater adventure with Chris Mears, a dive instructor, underwater videographer and author. In this episode, we'll explore the wonders of the underwater world with Chris and learn about his journey from teaching people how to dive to capturing the beauty of the ocean through his camera lens. We'll dive into his passion on for, for filming marine life and hear some of the incredible stories from his dives around the world. We'll also get to know Chris, the author, whose love and passion for the ocean shines through in every page of his books. Enjoy! Welcome, Chris, to the Ocean Sisters. Thank you so much, family, ladies. Looking forward to chatting to you. This is going to be awesome. Awesome. Chris, Chris, you've got a story to tell, and boy, oh boy, we've got to dig into you within, like, we've, I want to get to the depths of you. Right. Chris, please tell me, how did your ocean journey begin? It's a traditional Ocean Sisters uh, introduction that we have, so please, off we right. go. Well, I was traveling around Australia for for a year, you know, as many of us Brits did as when we were growing up. And uh, I did a, a tri-dive on the Barrier Reef in Cairns. So I was walking around the streets of Cairns one evening and I saw the shop that was selling trips to the Barrier Reef. And I popped in to chat to the guy for a few moments and then he said to me, hey, if you give out flyers for a couple of nights, for my boat, I'll give you a free scuba dive experience uh, out on the Barrier Reef. So I did it wow. for him, yeah, for a few hours, and then yeah, two days later went out there and uh, did my first ever dive on the Barrier Reef. So yeah, I got to hold this guy's hand for half an hour underwater while he dragged me around the reef. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. How did you feel on your first dive? Were you nervous? I don't know, probably, um, I wasn't too nervous because I've done quite a lot of snorkeling before, so I was quite comfortable in the water. But um, the scary thing was, or oh, was like actually getting seasick was the worst thing because mm. we were quite near the um, the compressors and stuff and the generators from the boat. So it was kind of blowing the exhaust fumes back into the boat and kind of making people feel a bit seasick as well. Uh. So that was the hardest thing to deal with. But once I was actually down in the water, you know, did a few skills with the guy. And then, yeah, he took me on a little tour around the reef and I saw a huge uh, Napoleon wrasse, you know, another huge miscolored oh, uh, fish. Yeah, so that was really nice to see that. So, yeah, that's how it all started for me. What what a way, Chris, though. What a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like here where we go see a few little things or the visibility is a little bit jaded you know so yeah i heard that yeah well very lucky yeah very lucky very very yeah. lucky and actually that? yeah I, I did a few more dives on the barrier reef i did a, a sailing trip around the whitsunday islands yeah. and i did uh, three more dives there and uh, yeah again i felt quite comfortable you know with the instructor he said oh you should really do the open water course so i said okay i'll, I'll do it but i'll do it further on down the coast so I traveled down to Coffs Harbour, which is about eight hours north of Sydney. And I saw this dive shop there called Jetty Dive. And they had an amazing, they said it was the cheapest place to do the open water course in Australia. So, of course, me being a, you know, a, a pikey backpacker, you know, I uh, decided to do the course there. 
So the problem was there. I still thought it was the Barrier Reef, right? But it's actually quite far south of the Barrier Reef. So I went to get ready to do the course and they gave me like a five mil wetsuit, you know, thick gloves and a thick hood. And yeah, it was pretty rough conditions, you know, rough seas, big, big surge, big swell in the water. So it was a million miles away from my, uh, you know, from my first dives on the Barrier Reef. But uh, yeah, more like a kind of British uh, way of diving, to be honest, it felt like, you know, with a kelp and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so it was... Uh, it was much more challenging, but good in a way because I, I learned in quite hard conditions, you know, so it was worth it in the long run. Yeah. And it makes you appreciate the easier dives as well. <laughs> yeah, it does, you know, just especially the Barrier Reef, just wear shorts and the rash guard kind of thing, right? Just swimming around. But yeah, that was, yeah, everyone was throwing up on the boat and everything. Yeah, it was really uh, and it was pretty, pretty tough course. Yeah, but good. But good in its own way, you know, so... <laughs> And, uh, character development <laughs> yes exactly that's what it was <laughs> i actually made a, a, a big mistake on the last day of the course i actually i peed in my wetsuit and uh i've never done it since to be honest because i took it off on the boat after the dive you know and it just i could smell it it just <laughs> smell came up anyway you know the kind of sweaty stinking piece no. i didn't do that <laughs> So I, I quickly rinsed it off in the sea as quickly as possible. I thought, oh my god, you know, surely everybody has uh, smelt that so far. So uh, yeah, I learned a valuable lesson, you know, on that course as well about peeing in your wetsuit. So, <laughs> or if you do, if you do pee in your wetsuit, don't admit it. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I was sat embarrassed, you know, a little red face on me. So they must have known it was me. <laughs> I love it. I'm doing nothing. Yeah. I, I think the trick is to like unzip the wetsuit a little bit before you get out and then just let the water like yeah, water right. and like yeah. try and clean it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The old it's Chloe's tactic of the day. Gone. Yeah. Flush <laughs> a wetsuit. Flush yeah. Flush it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. So tell us, you've currently been working with Scuba Sheep Productions, is that right? Yeah, I I actually I started it myself because I've been shooting video for um you know about fifteen years now. So I I'm from Wales originally, so I thought Scuba oh, Sheep, really? you know, yeah, being being a Welshman, so yeah, and productions obviously which, on the end of it. Sorry, sorry, Chris. Which part of Wales? I'm I'm actually from near Cardiff, about twenty miles. Oh, Cardiff. Major? No, actually, uh, the place is called uh, Aberdeer. Are you from Lantwick Major? <laughs> no way. <laughs> yes way. Oh, that's funny. You speak Welsh? Do you die? No, I know. I, I speak a little words. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's really good. And Creosol is welcome. Yeah, yeah. Right. Just from the rules. Did you dive in Chepstow before they closed it? Well, I actually, I did move to Chepstow when I was aged uh, 11. So I lived there. My parents used to own a pub there in Chepstow, actually, that was uh, sadly knocked down when I was about uh, 15, no, about 18. So I did live in Chepstow for quite a while. But I've never been diving in the quarry there, actually. I never went. 
Tonight yeah. it's closed now. The quarantine. Yeah, it's gone. closed now. I hear that. I was actually just. And Dak and Dak is gone. Yeah. Yeah, it's gone, which is a massive blow, you know, to the UK diving. I was actually just in the UK for a month just now, actually. So I've just been around all the dive shops there and did the dive show in uh, in Coventry as well. But yeah, I did grow up in Chepstow. I was part of the Caldicott uh, Summer Aqua Club for a couple of years there. <laughs> you don't speak yeah. from the Welsh accent, I Chris. Uh, not too much, yeah. I've been away for a long time now, so it's kind of faded over time, I guess. <laughs> I love the Welsh accent, I do. <laughs> it is nice. <laughs> how, was the, how was the dive show in the UK? Actually, it was really good. Um, I would say it was probably double the size, you know, of the, of the year before. So uh, I was pretty impressed with it. It did seem like, you know, the world was kind of back to normal, you know, after the, the pandemic and everything. So, yeah, it felt uh, pretty good. Yeah, I was pretty happy with the turnout. Were yeah, Ross Kemp there as well. What's that? Were you exhibiting there or just... The yeah, yeah, I exhibit there alongside the Philippine Tourism Board. Oh, no. So, yeah, like, um, I think six resorts from the Philippines all on one stand. Oh. Yeah, from different parts of the Philippines. So, yeah, we had a good show together. Oh, yeah, and then I spent a month on the road then. So I just rent a car and then drive around all the dive shops. You know, went up to Scotland for a couple of days. Yeah, I went down as far as, like, Brighton on the south coast, you know. So I had a good tour around. Yeah. Basically trying to drum up business uh, to come to the Philippines in the coming years. So, oh, brilliant. yeah, pretty good trip. Yeah, it was awesome. So, Chris, yeah. back back to our original question. She, now we associate. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> what was the question? Is like whales and the sheep. Nothing <laughs> you don't know about whales and sheep. There's, there's Google it. Right. Yeah, Google it. Yeah, I'm not going to go into <laughs> okay. it. Just Google it. <laughs> I'm not guilty, by the way. I'm not guilty. I hope not. I hope not, Chris. <laughs> There's not many sheep in the Philippines, actually. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. So, would be. so you've got, you set up your own production. Yeah, yeah. So I just, um, I've spent, my setup right now is probably worth about $10,000 or, you know, pounds or whatever. Yeah, so I, I used to work as a video pro on Liverboard, so I would actually make a, a video presentation of the guests doing their weeks diving with us when I was working on the liverboard. So that's how I really got into it. But now it's more like a, a hobby now, pretty much. So I, I still dive a lot, obviously, when I'm not on the road. So I I really like to, to show my videos, you know, on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube as well. So, uh, yeah, you should check them out. You check out my YouTube channel, you know, at Scuba Sheep Productions. Instagram is all there. What's been some of the most, like, memorable um, video footage you've taken? Um, probably in Palau. I was, I was in Palau for just over a year. Um, I got to shoot probably two to three hundred sharks at one shot, which is pretty cool. Oh. Yeah, that was, that was very... That sticks in the mind. It's one of the best shots. It was just kind of... Uh, Hooked into the reef there, and then just watched all these grey reef sharks literally just going up and down the reef. So that was very, very special. Um, in the Maldives, you know, I would say uh, the manta rays. You know, to, to film sometimes twenty or thirty manta rays together. 
you know, in one shot again is, is pretty special. On the other side of it, I'm now in the Philippines, and especially where I'm based in Puerto Galera, we have a lot of really small stuff, like a lot of macro. So things like pygmy seahorses and nudibranchs and octopus is what I'm shooting more now than the bigger stuff. So yeah. that's also quite challenging as well, you know, to shoot those because it's a lot harder to, to get a good shot of them. So it's also nice as well to shoot the smaller stuff as well as the, the big things. Yeah, it's a bit more rewarding trying yeah. to find the smaller things as well, but exactly. not like in your face. <laughs> to get a uh, good shot. So yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was a, it was actually quite a big change because I, I was working Maldives and Palau, which is pretty much all big stuff. Mm. So people didn't really care too much about macro then. But when I moved to the Philippines, I had to really learn how to to re- to shoot it with macro, which is a lot more challenging, you know, so to but by dot the lenses and, and big lights and that kind of stuff to get the uh to get the subject so yeah pretty good pretty good stuff so what advice so, like if you're going into videoing um like what where would you start if you're a new a newbie you know these days you can get a you know the gopro now is is so common you know pretty much every man has august got a gopro these days and even cameras like the Nimbus TG6 are also very good as well. You can get some very, very good video out of them as well now as well, but kind of high-definition video. So I would start with them, you know, to begin with. And the software these days is so good as well. You know, I hate to uh, to admit it, but the the software like, um, like Pinnacle and those kind of things and uh, DaVinci, you know, those kind of, Sophos can really help you edit the videos as well. I think so, also with this AI technology as well that's coming oh, into yeah. play, it's um, going to be a big <laughs> big game changer. <laughs> yeah, huge game changer, yeah. To be honest, I I didn't really use much uh, software before on my videos because I kind of felt like it was cheating. Yeah. But then basically everyone else was doing it, you know, all, all the <laughs> exactly. biggest guys in the world. You know, oh, they yeah. Photoshop, you know. I was the same. So I was like, I was like everyone's looking so much better than mine. And then yeah, I like everyone had the same mess. <laughs> yeah, I had the same thing for a long time. So I just used to shoot um, like with the manual white balance on the camera. So I can change the white balance underwater, which made a huge difference. Yeah. But then, yeah, when I started to get to know some professional photographers, and they basically showed me how to use all this software to make it look, you know, <laughs> like kind of Hollywood style, every shot sort of thing. So I, yeah, the software is a huge, huge help these days as well, you know. So, yeah, kind of feels like it's cheating a little bit, but um, if you can't beat them, join them, right? Exactly. <laughs> Chris, what, okay, so what? what is your setup? What camera do you use? Right now, I've got a dedicated Sony uh, AX700 video camera. Okay. I have it in a Gates, uh, Gates housing from, from the US. And also, I use uh, Kraken Hydra lights, which have 5,000 lumens in each light. Yeah. So crazy. And then I've got some diopter lenses, which I use to shoot the macro stuff as well, which I screw onto the, the camera as well. So... Yeah, that's really my setup right now. Of course, if I want to use it for wide angle stuff, then I just take off the the diopters. So it's up to me basically where I'm shooting. If I want to do wide angle 
or uh, or macro shooting. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I've looked at your photos and they're amazing. I'm like. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the middle of purchasing. I'm purchasing a housing for my Nikon D5600. Okay. Yeah, and it's oh my god, and I, 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 I need to raid a bank. <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. Yeah. How much did all your kit cost? Um, yeah, mine is about because I, I managed to get some discounts. Like, um, like Gates give me an ambassador rate on the housing because I just tagged them on the social media stuff. So, I, yeah, that saved me a couple of grand on the housing. I haven't managed to get anything going with Sony yet, but I will try and push them a little <laughs> bit further now, you know, as, as we move forward. But uh, and also not Without like, wearing, uh, like, Sony T-shirt, Sony hat. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you could be looking at anything from ten to 15,000, you know, to get the real nice setup, you know, it's, it's big bucks, so... Yeah, I would personally recommend starting off small, you know, with a TG6 or something like that. And then if you really get into it, and then, yeah, you can spend yeah. the... Uh... Chloe's got a TG6, haven't you, Chloe? Yeah, I've got the TG6, the housing. Um, I've just got some, like, light now, um, which okay, the you're... lighting just makes... Uh, just yeah, it does make a huge, huge difference. Um, like I didn't really shoot with lights when I worked in the Maldives and Palau I never really bothered shooting with lights but when I came to the Philippines I had to buy the lights because the camera wouldn't focus on the macro stuff right yeah so, yeah we get a lot yeah, of macro yeah. stuff in Dubai so the lights are right yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but I, I do have a funny story so right. my delay buddy he also has the TG6 so I've I've got a GoPro 8 so what I do okay. is I wait for him to kind of get in position yeah. of whatever he's shooting. And I right. will use his light. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> you steal his light. <laughs> yeah. I'm literally above him. And I, and I lose his light on the video. And it's just epic. I feel like I'm stealing from him. <laughs> right. Yeah, it makes a huge difference, all right? Uh, oh, it does. Even on the GoPro. Yeah. So fellow divers... Stick to the cameraman with the the, the diver that's got yeah, the camera the light with the big lights. <laughs> that's the tip of the day. <laughs> yeah. So. So yeah. So um, uh, you've also wrote some books. You're not. I have wrote a book. It's actually already been out for a couple of years. Wow. I. Because I had a lot of crazy stories working on the, the boats and stuff over the years, and I would tell my friends, and they would say, "Oh, you should write a book," you know. And I, you know, I pretty much messed up all my GCSEs in school, so I wasn't really, you know. But I started to write it down anyway, and I, I was kind of sat on it for a few years, and then once the pandemic hit, I had all this spare time on my hands, so I finally finished you know and I, I got it to an editor in the UK who went through it all and fixed up a bunch of my mistakes so uh, yeah I put it on Amazon for sale uh, it's called Confessions of a Dive Master I have a little copy right here just to show you oh, <laughs> Confessions of a Dive Master by Chris Mitch yeah, is that you that's me on the front yeah, yeah. that was me in Palau we, um, in uh, Blue Holes dive site in Palau so my friend John 
took that great picture of me, which is one of my favorite pictures I've had underwater. So I think that's quite a big cover. book, Chris. Yeah, it is. It's you put a lot of stories. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's quite a big read. Yeah, but some of my friends bought it two years ago and they haven't even finished it yet. <laughs> yes. Can you get it on audio? Yeah, actually, I did make an audiobook version of it uh, last year, so that's available on Audible. Oh, good. And I think some other places as well where you can get the audiobooks. Yeah, I've got it's available on uh, paperback, um, hardcover, ebook, uh, audio as well. Yeah. And uh, when so when you actually got all your collaboration together, how long did it actually take you to sit and, and physically write it without laughing and trying to edit names out that this person, I can't name that person because of legal reasons. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, what was taken out? Well. That was a good one. <laughs> what was going to be in there? Yeah. I had to take power. <laughs> yeah, well, to be honest, when it wasn't even finished, I, I sent a couple of chapters to a, a friend of a friend who's in publishing. And she said to me, oh, you want to be careful, you know, if you're going to publish that, just, uh, you know, watch out for, for some of the things you wrote. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's got pretty good reviews, actually, overall. You know, it's it's doing all right. I had a couple of na nasty comments on uh, um, on Amazon for a few. You always get those, don't you? Yeah, there was a couple of bad well, apples, couple. but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, mostly it's been good. I've had... Quite a few people now come up to me and recognize my name, for, especially at the dive shows. And most of them basically say to me, wow, Chris, I'm surprised you're still alive. <laughs> that's that's what they say to me after they read it. So, um, yeah, I I basically became a dive master in Honduras. Uh, I don't know if you heard of the island of Utila. It's, um, yeah, a tiny, tiny island, like seven nice. miles long, two miles wide. But it's like, um, it's a bit like Ibiza, you know, really. It's a lot of little bars and clubs there. So I went there with the idea of becoming a dive master. So I thought I'll stay for a month or so. And I actually stayed there for four years. So I, um, yeah, I became a dive master there. And then the shop where I did my dive master course offered me a job straight after I finished. So... The pay was lousy. I was getting paid like $10, you know, a shift. So if I did two dives in the morning, I would get paid $10. That was, was that salary. enough for a few beers, though? Yeah, enough for a few beers, yeah. So it was... Uh, Important. Yeah, and also they, they gave me some accommodation as well, which made a big difference. So they put yeah. me up. It wasn't really nice. It was like a little shed, really. You know, it wasn't uh, too good. But it was free, so I didn't mind. <laughs> you know, I was still... You know, not broke, but still pretty poor as a kind of traveler in, in South and Central America. And, um, yeah, I, I basically, I worked in the dive shop and I got myself up to a thousand dives quite quickly. And uh, then I decided to become a dive instructor. So I did my IDC also in uh, in Honduras. And then I worked as an instructor for a while and I got quite a few certs under my belt quite quickly. And the good thing was the dive shop where I did my course, they actually had a resort and a liverboard as well. So oh, once the dream. Yeah, it was lucky. It was total fluke that I went to this place. It didn't even look like a dive shop. It was like someone's house. Well, I heard a couple of British people in there chatting away. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I popped in there and they basically sold me the place. 
They adopted you uh, yeah. <laughs> by the sounds of it. Well, lucky, yeah, really. It really set up my career. Actually, going to that one dive shop, I was like thirty in Utilla. It really set me up very well. So, I um I worked then in, at his resort for for a couple of years, and I was leading divers. Then, not doing so many courses, but basically just working as a dive guide. And then after I got more experience, then I actually went on to work on the liverboard as well. Then, which totally changed everything. So. Yeah, I had to really, you know, work hard to impress these salty old guys that we were working on the boat, you know, for years. So I had to really up my game and, uh, yeah, I settled in after a few. I didn't think I was going to last very long because it was tough. You know, you're working like 15 hours a day. You know, you're doing some pretty gnarly stuff on the boat because, you know, you got the huge ropes. you got to jump in and tie the boat and that kind of thing. I've been watching Below Deck. Have you seen that on Netflix? I haven't. I've heard about my friend that she said to me have you seen it but i haven't watched it but i think yeah you can learn a lot from that as well yeah it's actually like, <laughs> i'm getting it's kind of like a similar thing <laughs> yeah yeah it can be pretty hard you know especially you can work like six weeks in a row you know without really a day off as well yeah. so uh, it's, it's pretty tough on the body but good, good tips yeah it was oh <laughs> I was quite surprised because I was earning, you know, sometimes $700,000 a week, you know, working Incredible. just diving on the boat. So it was, yeah. of course. The, it was the, it pays money. off somehow. Yeah, it does pay off, yeah. yeah. And I, I worked for Aggressive Fleet, so they had a lot of American guests as well. So they're, yeah. they're obviously very generous when it comes to the tip they as well, much it. better than us. Stingy Brits, you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> we don't tip. Yeah, very, very tight. Especially the Welsh one. Yeah, right. Looking to get a tender out of us. <laughs> if you're lucky. I'll just buy you a beer at the bar. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? I happened to be once. I was working in Palau and uh, there was two English policemen that were on board, you know, and they were kind of like, not typical police, but they were kind of a little bit stuffy, had some pretty bad jokes, you know, all throughout the week. Um, he actually had a, he wore a t-shirt that he says, uh, you can stick nudibranchs up your behind, you know, so <laughs> okay. he was kind of a strange guy. And I was with them all week. And then on the last night, they said to me, hey, Chris, we'll take you out for a curry. You know, we'll take you out, treat you for a, for a curry. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I went out with them. And then after we finished the food, they actually made me pay for the curry as well. <laughs> That's so, yeah, after spending a week with them, you know, listening to their bad jokes and all that kind of oh. stuff. And then hearing the same jokes at dinner, you know, um, yeah. Oh, and are they really bought Chris? Um, I don't, they probably haven't read my book because that was quite a few years ago now, so, um... Well, you have to do a confessions of a diving, um, a diving instructor now. You have to write the next one, the sequel. To be honest, I actually, I, I, I pretty much finished it already. I've got, uh, I've called it Confessions of a Dive Master 2. Awesome! Yeah, yeah so I've already done, I think, 78,000 words already. Huh? Uh... So I actually wrote that through in the pandemic as well. I finished the one and then I was sat down and was like, well, Philippines is still closed. It doesn't look like we're going to be reopening it anytime soon. 
So I just said, okay, I've still got a lot on my mind that I can write about. So I actually did a, a second book, which will be going to the editors, you know, hopefully in the next couple of months, if I can get my act together. Oh, well, make sure yeah. you let me know or let us know when. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah, so there, we'll have to get a copy of that. Definitely get a copy. Yeah, it's, it's a bit darker than the, the first one. There's quite a lot of good, funny stuff in the, the first one, but... Um, yeah, the second one is a little bit more, bit darker. It's kind of a little bit in there about the pandemic, what we kind of had to put up with here in the Philippines. Yeah. And I was actually, you know, I was stuck in the US when the pandemic first struck. So I had to rush back to the Philippines. I kind of one of the last flights from from the States back to the Philippines. And uh, I got stuck in Manila for a couple of months, you know, because they weren't allowed to travel between the islands. So yeah. I was stuck in the apartment by myself for a couple of months as well. So yeah, there's a bit in the pandemic, but it's. Um, but also, yeah. I guess it's you. You probably well, maybe <laughs> like um, well, matured over the years and yes, or at least right. career development, like yeah, career. <laughs> yeah. So at least you had a pretty good I sound wrong, but I mean, like I am Yeah, like when you wrote, when you first had all your experiences, it's probably when you're. You know, young, going out more, the dive market yes. was just a fun sort of gay, you know, you know. Yeah, it was probably a game. Yeah. Yeah, I started off working with a lot of backpackers, you know, so they all they want to do is drink, right? So we used to do the take them dive in, take them to the bars, you know, get home at uh, five o'clock in the morning and they go dive in at seven, you know, so that was kind Probably of our routine, regular, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you that was not always <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Pretending like I've seen that down at Martin's Bay. So Martin's <laughs> Bay? Yeah, yeah. Up down there, right on the end, and you, you drink, right. drink, drink, and then the following morning, oh, my God, I don't feel good. And then it's a case of come here, oxygen. <laughs> Ten minutes on the right. ocean. You're good to go. Remember me? Yeah. You drive so when you're right, I, I have matured quite a lot now. I don't really drink like I used to. You know, I'm very calm now. I've got a couple of kids now and everything. So, yeah, I have uh, slowed down a lot compared to the uh, the first book. Anyway, it's <laughs> <laughs> amazing, absolutely amazing. I can't believe we're literally like from the doorstep of each other. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, small world. It's a very small yeah. world. Very small, like scary. Yeah, so um, it's absolutely So if there's people from Dubai that want to come over and check your place out, how do people get in touch with you and dive with you? Yeah, well, you can contact me through my uh, social media is a good way of how to do it. Yeah. Yeah, we actually do it. We have, um, I was trying to think of the name of the dive shop, uh, I think it's Scuba Shade, is it, in Dubai? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know that one? Yeah, I think they come, well, they have a deposit with us, actually, uh, to come over and see us sometimes. So we do have uh, oh, some people already coming over from that part of the world. Oh, and I was actually just in Abu Dhabi a few weeks ago as well. I popped in to visit some of the dive shops as well, yeah, on the way to the UK. So oh, I popped bro, in. Yeah. So, yeah, it's actually yeah, quite I know, easy, um... which is Al Mahara Dive Center, probably. Yes, I, I went there, yeah. Happening. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think it's Lily, right? Lily and Mo that work there, yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I um, yeah, it's easy flight. You know, Emirates straight to Manila, and then we're only yeah. an hour and a half drive and forty-five minute boat ride from Manila, so it's actually yeah. quite easy to get to. Yeah, you can check out uh, Scandi Divers Resort. That's mm-hmm. that's the place I've been working for the last five years. Oh, yeah, so we're in a nice Ooh, Yeah, we'll have to, yeah, organize a trip sometime soon, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it'll be awesome. Have you have you dived in nice um have you dived in the UAE or Missandan or any of the I haven't. The closest I've been to is the Red Sea. That's the closest I've been to that. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. I I I'm hearing the same kind of thing you were saying that it's kind of uh, bad a little bit murky water. But some good shipwrecks yeah. there, right? I'm hearing. Oh yes, Zainab. Yeah, is there's quite a few wrecks here. You just got to find them. You got to go with people yeah, where they are. Yeah. And what I say to people all the time, like, and we've got Fajera as well, which, even though it's a bit murky sometimes, um, the there's vast marine life. I mean, we get all the tropical fish, sometimes even more than um, some places in Southeast Asia. I say um right. so it's it's really it, it's in terms of like you can see stuff but it, unfortunately it can be a bit murky as well sometimes yeah. 50 50 <laughs> it's like when nick and i went to egypt we actually stood off the end of the boat and went oh my god we can see the bottom <laughs> <laughs> and then i did around said to the dinosaur how deep is this he goes oh it's 15 meters <laughs> like, <laughs> wow <laughs> I don't know. And, and wouldn't. We've, we've also got Musandan as well in Oman, which is next door. And uh, right. and o- over there, the, the, there's so much beautiful coral, like re- like untouched, and it's all really healthy, and it's it's really beautiful. So you'll have to come and visit sometime. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, I have a friend who lives in Dubai. Uh, she also did a dive master course with me in Honduras years ago. Oh. We stayed as friends. Uh, she's a teacher. She works in one of the international schools there oh. as a PE teacher, I think. So um, I was actually close to going to Dubai this this year before the trip to the UK, but I changed my mind at the last second to go to Abu Dhabi. But uh, yeah, for sure, next time I'll be next going time. through. Awesome. Yeah, next time. Yeah. That, that's so nice. do you, do you know uh, Brian Davis? Brian Davis. He's a British guy that has a boat there in, in Dubai. He does some diving as well. He's also got a, a YouTube channel called Brian Davis. Oh, I know. Yes. Oh, so, yeah. He does quite a few uh, videos. He does the YouTube videos. I think I've yeah, seen him. Yeah. We'll have yeah. to get him on the show. All right. Thank you yeah, so you much for it. It's beautiful talking to you. We've got a go. Yes. Okay. Okay. And we'll keep in touch. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Ocean Sisters. Thank you to Chris Mears for sharing his passion for underwater videography with us. We hope you enjoyed diving into the depths of the ocean with Chris and learned something new about the fascinating world that lies beneath the surface. In our next episode, join myself and Elaine as we discuss our exciting adventures in the Red Sea from Jordan to Saudi Arabia. We'll be taking you through our journey and sharing our favorite spots, must-see sites, and insider tips for traveling in the region. So be sure to tune in and join us for another exciting episode of The Ocean Sisters. Take care, see you next week.